gang how was your weekend i mean i sweated all weekend it was uh, felt like a hundred plus degrees for much of the weekend it was pretty terrible my my air conditioning wasn't working but at least i got to watch pk suban shoot a puck at a dude's nuts and jackass forever <laughs> it's so good did you see that in theaters I didn't see it in theaters, and that's kind of a, a shock because I see a lot of things in theaters, but I just saw it on, I think, like, Paramount Plus or some shit over yeah. the weekend, and we hadn't watched it. I think we were waiting for a proper night to just, like, use it as a decompress tool because that's what you watch Jackass for is right. to decompress and just laugh at idiocy. I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And I think I remember hearing that PK Subban was in it at some point, but I had totally forgotten that he was in it. So I turned it on and they were doing that nutshot challenge where <laughs> one guy was just taking, like he took a, a shot from a UFC fighter. He took a shot from, I, I forget some of the other ones, but I remember when he threw on the hockey gear and then PK Subban appeared. I'm like, Oh shit, that's no good. <laughs> that was, I don't know how that, I really don't know how they don't have like lasting lifelong damage to their bodies. Like I'm sure they do some way somehow, but like the shit they do to each other's nuts in particular is because like, I feel like a lot of their challenges are very, groin centered in a lot so, of like, it's groin centric for sure it's very much especially in uh, jackass forever like there's just <laughs> there's a ton of weird shit and um dude I, I just don't know how you can take a shot that many times from professional athletes including a pk suban slap shot and not have some sort of lasting damage to you forever it's insane they are made of steel <laughs> I also, I just remembered one of the other ones. One of the other ones was the was the softball pitcher straight to the ground. Yeah. Which softballs are huge and heavy. That sounds like torture right there. And like Subban in particular, like I know he's got a heavy shot, but I mean I know Subban from watching him for years against the Flyers has a big old shot right there. I, I don't know if I've seen him in one of the competitions, but I'm sure he can yeah. hit ninety plus, and that just sounds unpleasant. Imagine like Shea Weber in his prime, or Zidane Chara in his prime, taking Al one of those McGinnis. shots. Al McGinnis, Al McGinnis back in the like, day, that guy yeah, Pronger had... too, like Pronger, yeah. Any of those bigger defensemen, that would be absolutely horrifying. Like, and it, I remember the softball. Um, he took one, I think, like right, like on the inside of the upper thigh. Yep. And it that looked just as painful well i don't want to say just as painful but like almost as painful as like taking it straight to the groin that looked awful <laughs> he had a horrible bruise from that just an atrocious yeah. bruise <laughs> and then what what was the other thing they did a uh the pogo stick oh god onto the groin <laughs> no no <laughs> no they're maniacs man they're they're out of their minds they but are you know but what? i love watching them I love watching them. And I do want to say I'm like so proud of Steve-O because 
he used to be so heavily on drugs and he was so fucked up for so long. And like, he's totally sober now. He doesn't even drink alcohol now, which makes it even more insane that he does these things. He's sober when he's doing them. Um, but like, he, I don't know. I'm just so proud of that man for getting out of like the bad, like substance abuse that he was in. And like, now he's like a legit, legitimately good dude. Um, based off of everything I've seen in his interviews. And uh, he's just got a good attitude. I don't know. I fucking love Steve-O. Oh, he looks the best he ever has. It's really yeah. wild how good he looks at this point. And no, I'm, I'm happy for the guy. I mean, seeing anybody go through substance abuse, especially, uh, you know, all the stuff he was on is just terrible. And to see him recover from that and not only recover from that, but thriving, doing the best he's ever yeah. done is it's aspirational. It's fantastic. I love to see it. And I, I just wanted to just go back to uh, talking about the big slappers right there. And, you know, we talked about the big guys, right? My favorite thing about Al McGinnis is that he wasn't a big guy. He was only six one. And he had maybe the best slap shot I've ever seen. And I, I just don't, yeah. I still don't understand to this day how that guy generated so much power. But regardless of whoever, any NHL level guy having a slapper going against me, no thank you, sir. Let alone specifically yeah. aiming for my testicles. <laughs> I want no part of it. I think we talked about that before about like, you know, size and slap shot power. Like, Shane Gossespair also had a fucking huge shot and he was not a big dude. Like he's not big at all. So yeah, some, there's some people like that who are just like freaks of nature who can just send a puck into a different solar system. Oh yeah. It's wild to me. And I don't really understand how it works, but I also don't understand basic physics. I, I don't understand much of anything. So <laughs> that's true. That's a fair point right there. <laughs> what what yeah. is there to understand? I don't even know. How, Aside how from hockey work. and rules about hockey, I really don't know a single, single important thing in the world. I know a lot of dumb shit. I could tell you like uh, 25 X-Men off the top of my head, but I can't tell you, you know, yeah. anything about physics or science or anything like that. I'm just real yeah. dumb, but that's why I host a podcast and... <laughs> Instead of, I don't know, doing anything important in this world. But <laughs> I, I don't listen. I don't think you're dumb, Steve. Thank you. For I what appreciate it's worth. Thank you. I, like, sometimes you need <laughs> I don't to hear that because sometimes going through life, you, you just sit there and you go, am I dumb? Because I, everybody assumes they're at least above average intelligence. You know, even really, really dumb people think that. And sometimes it's just nice to hear no you're not actually one of those people you're not a complete moron you're just you know sometimes a moron that's it's yeah. reassuring yeah yeah i took an iq test online once and obviously it's not accurate because it's an online iq test but i took it anyway for fun and apparently my iq is like 150 <laughs> so i know something's wrong about an iq test because that cannot be right I have literally no idea if that's good or not. <laughs> All right. So I think 150, they say, is like, like really, really, really smart. And then, and then 160, 170 was like Einstein or something like that. Really? I'm pretty is that sure what it is? I'm okay. not that close to Einstein. <laughs> I'm not that smart at all. I would be, if I break 100, I would be flattered. That would be amazing if I could even break 100. 140, that seems a little, or 150 seems inaccurate to me. What, what's the level where you can tie your shoes? I just like to be above that. 
<laughs> I can't tell you that. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe that's 100. I can't remember how the scale works. Okay. I'll have to check that out. I've always thought about taking an IQ test because I, I am curious to see just how dumb I am. But it's, yeah. uh, it is a good question right there. Now, I, I mentioned that most of the weekend was spent indoors, just hiding from the sun, despite having a broken air conditioning unit on my main floor. And I, I managed still. I managed. It wasn't too bad. I, I closed most of my blinds up. I had a couple fans and, you know, at least I have a bedroom air conditioner to give me solace. But before all that, before those hundred degree temperatures, there was actually a really nice Thursday. I went to the Phillies game and unfortunately at the last minute my dad had to drop out i was supposed to go with my dad but then he just wasn't feeling well he couldn't make it it sucks and he told me about an hour before game time so i didn't really have time to go and find somebody to replace him especially because it was a daytime weekday game so most people were at work so i ended up just going to the game by myself and i don't think i've ever done that before with a sporting event i mean i i I spent one period at a flyers game by myself one time and that was kind of amusing before i met up with some friends but i mean for the most part sporting events i have always gone to with people like i've gone to movies by myself and i've actually really enjoy that sometimes but um sports i don't think i've ever done solo before what did it feel like it was a little strange. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was nice because I, I got myself uh, pretty good tickets. I was in the 300 level at Citizens Bank Park right behind home plate. So uh, yeah. elevated view behind home plate. It, it's one of my favorite views. And I was in a section where most of the seats to my right were empty. Uh, most of the seats to my left had some like teenagers or something in it, but they weren't too bad. And then the back of me was actually like concrete. So I didn't have anybody sitting in back of me. So I kind of just got to chill and enjoy the day. Uh, But you know, it's the strangest thing is when somebody does something and you have your natural instinct to like yell at somebody for sucking or something like that. I think at one point I called Odubel Herrera a piece of crap or something. I was like, run to first (laughs) base, you piece of crap. Cause I hate him. But you know, it feels weird saying anything because you're by yourself. So you, Kind yeah. of look like a psychopath. When Yeah, I feel like, because when you're with a group of people or even just one other person, you can yell something and it's just like, oh, they're yelling something to be funny for that person. Like, clearly they know the player's not going to hear them. And then, like, if you're by yourself, I feel like people think that you think that the player can hear you and you are <laughs> impacting the game in your own head. And it's just like, yeah. But you know what? Sometimes you have to let out some visceral rage when you're at a game, even if you're by yourself. And so I support it. It's just weird for me to be totally quiet at a sporting event. Like I can be mostly quiet, but I still have to say something in the general direction. Like that's just part of the experience for me is going like, all right, let's go Reese. Come on, get a hit. Oh, that's a strikeout. God damn it. And that that was a particularly rough Phillies game offensively because they got shut out two to nothing. So just... If it wasn't a nice day, I might have regretted going, but it was a, a almost a perfect baseball game, b- baseball day. I was going to ask you which game you went to, because I know that there was that one really wild game the other day where I believe it was Alec Bohm, like won the game for the Phillies. And it was like an error or something by the Dodgers. Oh, the one yesterday with the dot. Yeah, I didn't go to that one, but that was crazy because Real Muto yeah. almost ruined the game for the Phillies by going off of third. He got deked off of third base and t- tagged out. And it was just, I, 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 
hated that. But then the second baseman, I think it was Muncie for the Dodgers, had a just atrocious error, and the Phillies scored two runs to to win the game and salvage a series against the Dodgers, which was uh, looking pretty rough. They, they believe it was uh, very close to a sweep. It's it's almost as if they need their reigning NL MVP in the lineup to produce any offense at all. Which is pretty terrible because they signed all those big beefy bats, all those big beefy boys, the, the little know. buff boys, and they can't do anything. So, all right. So I do want to bring this up. So yesterday we were talking in the Slack chat. I can't remember who it was. I think you were involved. Someone mentioned how Philly's Twitter is slowly turning into Flyers Twitter. That was me. And okay, so it was you. And I'll be honest with you, like I've kind of gotten Flyers Twitter vibes from Philly's Twitter since the very start of the season. And the reason I say that is because, so I'm kind of like new to baseball. I've never been a huge baseball guy, but now with NBC Sports Philly, like I've been paying obviously a lot more attention to the Phillies and, you know, on game days, I'll tweet out, Hey, watch the game on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And then so many people will respond to saying, why we're going to get fucking smoked anyway. And I'm just like, wow, that's a very flyers thing to say. And so like just the general lack of positivity right now in the Phillies fan base is very flyer esque. Oh yeah. And so Phillies Twitter, I am intimately familiar with because I I've been on Twitter because of the Phillies since I think yeah. uh, 09 is when I joined Twitter. I was, I'm from way back and I joined when the Phillies were in their World Series. I might have even joined in 08 when the Phillies won the World Series. And right. it was it used to be one of the fun like I had so much fun because I, I also lived by myself for a bit. So like when I was living by myself and I had Phillies Twitter, it felt like I was watching the game with people and I watched almost every game back then because the Phillies were so goddamn good and so likable. Chase Utley, Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, yeah. Cole Hamels, Carlos Ruiz, Chooch, like so many great names on those teams that I adore. And I like the Phillies are I, the Flyers are my number, you know, they're my ride or die. I, I I'm ride or die with all the Philly teams, you know. But the the Flyers are like my I just love hockey for some reason, and I, it's damned me to hell. Uh, but baseball is one that I – it was probably my first favorite sport. I've loved it since I was a little kid. My dad took me to baseball games all the time. I remember we had this, like, Sunday ticket package back in, like, 92, 91, something like that. And we were just at the vet constantly. And it was just some of my best memories back in the day. So, anyway, I have a long history of baseball. And Philly's Twitter used to be a lot of fun. Uh, I remember, yeah. you know, the, the fightings was a, such a great blog and everything. And we just had a blast. And then the Phillies haven't made the playoffs since that Ryan Howard Achilles tear and Roy Halladay just, it, it just forgot how to pitch all of a sudden and just sucked. It just, everything went to shit very quickly. And it's been a decade since the Phillies have made the playoffs and that is wearing people down. It is completely worn people down because this team's been so close. They've spent so much money and they're still a 500 middling team. And yeah, I, I think Phillies Twitter is exactly where Flyers Twitter is, where they've watched a middling team for a decade and it's, it's just crushed the soul out of people, the sports loving soul. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's, I feel like I've seen the same thing kind of with flyers Twitter too. Cause I remember when I got on, when I really got into hockey, which was like 2012, 2013, I joined Twitter and it was mainly for like the flyers and the Eagles and everything. 
And Flyers Twitter was like so much fun back then, even though like they were past their really fun days of like, you know, the, the Flyers Penguins series and like the Stanley Cup and everything. Um, they were past that, but it was still fun because they would still like do stuff. And I don't know, I, like it just it was a whole different thing back then, because at least there was some semblance of positivity. And now it's just everyone is miserable and it just sucked. Like, I, I feel like. Phillies Twitter and Flyers Twitter right now are both at really, really just ugly lows, and it, it sucks to watch. It does. They are 100% at ugly lows, and I, I think the Phillies Twitter is almost where Flyers Twitter is. Flyers Twitter is, it, it feels like rock bottom right now, and yeah. it's sad when people can't even come to one conclusive agreement on whether to be excited or not about exciting things. Like, for instance... Yeah. Right now, Barry Trotz is out there interviewing for various teams, and we have said for years Barry Trotz is one of the best coaches in the NHL, if not the best coach in the NHL. So it should be exciting that there is a possibility that the Flyers could hire him as their head coach, and I believe he is interviewing this week. Is that correct, Ryan? He is interviewing this week, according to Sportsnet. I know there was some confusion over if he was interviewing, when he was interviewing, but it is uh, this week. And I'm excited for it because I think Barry Trotz is great. And he's interviewed with the Jets. I think Vegas is obviously in the running. Uh, Dallas, I believe, just fired their head coach. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Bonus is gone. Yeah. So there are some openings right now. Barry Trotz can really pick where he wants to go, I believe, because he's just he's just so good. I think it was Bill Matz who put, like, I think... <laughs> He said something along the lines of like Trotz is just going up to those teams and just saying like, how much are you going to give me? That's pretty <laughs> yeah, much the interview. There's not really much to interview for, right? Yeah. But I don't think anybody can even come to a consensus if we're excited about the possibility of a coach of the caliber of Barry Trotz coming here at this point. I've seen some people, I think this was on the younger end, say like, oh, not a retread. And, you know, God. other people just like, well, I don't know if the team is, uh, they're going to waste them and that's going to be another expensive coach through here, blah, blah, blah. Like people can't even be excited about a legitimately exciting thing. The people who say he's just another retread clearly don't understand how good he is of a coach. Like, I know that they're like, I don't know. I know that there are some coaches around that get swapped and, and it's just the, like, those are retreads. Barry Trotz is one of the very best hockey coaches that has ever lived. So I wouldn't quite call him a retread. I would say getting him is a slam dunk um, opportunity. Um, but like, I don't know. It, it, I, and I do see those people. Like some people say, oh, well, he's, he's too good for the Flyers right now. Like the Flyers need to focus on, on tanking and being bad. But the problem is, is that's not what the Flyers brass wants. The Flyers want to contend right now, which as insane as that is, that's their goal. And if that's their goal, then it would make sense for them to get someone like Trotz who can turn piss into champagne. <laughs> nice. Nicely done. That's a, a <laughs> much a much cruder uh, water into wine right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking of, but I couldn't. Yeah, I, couldn't I know. I like piss into wine. champagne. I think that goes with the Flyers attitude right there. They, it, piss into champagne, <laughs> yeah, I think, is the motto of the Spectrum Room. <laughs> yeah. Pay me for my ideas, Flyers. Anyway, so Barry Trotz. I mean, I th I'm excited about the possibility of him. He is yeah. out there. He's a possibility. He's the guy who can turn your franchise around and really just maximize the talent you have on the roster, at least defensively. Uh, there's been, you know, obviously offensively, he's 
had some difficulties, but hey, that's why you overcompensate, right? That's why you go out and you sign all the best guys you can possibly get. You go out and you sign Johnny Gaudreau if he's out there. Yeah, and it's this, you know what? Like a lot of people have also been talking about, like, you know, if you get trots, you also get Coach Corn. Coming on done, Coach Corn would be a phenomenal, like, little, I guess, I don't want to say mentor, but just someone to kind of have in the room with Carter Hart. Cause like, I know Carter Hart like bounced back this year, but his stats still looked not great, which like isn't his fault at all. But like, I don't know. I think someone, a goalie coach as good as Corn would be, uh, you know, good to have with Hart at this particular point in his career. And then with like, you know, Trotz's defensive expertise, that would make for, I don't know, a pretty effective hockey team. Maybe not the most fun hockey team, but it would make the Flyers watchable at least. For a second, I had no idea what you had said with Coach Corn, and then it took me a second to realize that you said "come and undone." And I went, oh, okay, it all makes sense to me. You know, come and undone. Oh my god! It's even spelled with a K too. My God, that is twisted. <laughs> That's a good one. Very good. Oh that man, some snap. Coach Corn would be an instant flyperbole hit right here. I, that just <laughs> all the shit puns that would come out of that. Oh, I want it so bad. So get get me trots and get me Johnny Hockey, which I I know is still a long shot, but is certainly something that I think we should all want. He's a fantastic hockey player. He's coming off one of the, actually his best season in the NHL right now. And the the main reason I bring this up today is because John Butchagross was asked on Twitter by a Flyers fan who said, Flyers, what's next? Or I, I, it might just be a hockey fan. I don't know. I didn't really do any yeah, research yeah. on the guy who asked it. But Butchagross said, I say they will sign Johnny Gaudreau and hire a big-name coach and hope they are a lot healthier. Fans deserve it. NHL is better when Flyers are competitive. 47 years since last cup. And he's absolutely right. The NHL is a better place when the Flyers are competitive. And I know that sounds like a selfish thing from a Flyers fan, but this is a historic franchise. This is a franchise that people love to hate. The Broad Street Bullies were the Broad Street Bullies for a reason. And me declaring like Embiid and the Sixers, like new bullies, which sadly fizzled out just terribly in the playoffs. Get rid of Doc Rivers. What? But (laughs) ultimately, like the NHL is much better. It's it just everybody does better when the NHL has the Flyers being competitive. I mean, the Penguins-Flyers rivalry, the Rangers-Flyers rivalry, the Devils-Flyers rivalry. There's so many rivals. The Islanders and the Flyers. All these rivals. Give me all the rivalries. Give me the Flyers back in the upper echelon. It's just more fun. It's a marquee. And we are great maniacs when we have to be. You know, when this team isn't yeah. losing and they don't give us light-up bracelets to throw at the players, it's a much better place. <laughs> Johnny Gaudreau would instantly not only be a, a fantastic just hockey addition, right? But also such a great story, bringing him home. And I know we joke about that all the time, but to have a guy who played his little peewee hockey, his little just like mites on ice hockey in a Flyers jersey to come back. And just like that John Tavares story, right? With the the Maple Leaf sheets and all that shit. It would be a great story to just bring him back. And I just, I'm going to rattle off some stats and then I'm going to let you just talk about Johnny Gaudreau for a bit. But Gaudreau, so far in the playoffs, 13 points in 10 games played. That's two goals and 11 assists, 115 points in 82 games played in the regular season this year. 
just a, a tremendous stat line from him. 40 goals and 75 assists. Uh, career high by 16 points for him. And his career so far, he has 609 points in 602 games played. So over a point per game player. Johnny Hockey, man, is just an awesome talent. And to see him in the orange and black would be a true treat. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. I don't want to make myself excited for nothing. Because if you expect the worst and get nothing, then... That's kind of a good way to live life sometimes, unfortunately. But I, just even talking about the possibility is, is pretty thrilling. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Gotta say. Although I will say this. I can tell you right now, if the Flyers get Johnny Goudreau, a massive portion of the fan base will hate Johnny Goudreau so much. Like, if, like possibly even more than they hate Giroux for no fucking reason because he's not a big physical presence and he's not like, you know, he's not their definition of tough. And that's what freaks me out a lot about the possibility of them getting Goudreau. I would love Goudreau. He would be so much, he would make the team so much fun to watch, but I, I just know it. I know the, the team shouldn't make moves based on like the fans perception of players because the fans don't know shit, but like, I don't know. It, it I can hear the hot takes coming already if the Flyers get Goudreau from all these idiot people who don't know what they're talking about. These idiot people will put out hot takes on anything. It's yeah. wild to me. Some of the takes that I've been seeing in the playoffs alone. We'll get to this later. I, I would like to talk about the, the Giroux kind of just bullshit later on because it's just these takes that people are giving about that. But yeah, you're right. The hot take artist will be out in full force. This is part of the reason I didn't want Patrick Line on the team because Line, right, yeah. great talent, scores goals, definitely scores goals, but that's pretty much all he does. And the, fran the, the fan base would eat him alive. It would be terrible. I... <sighs> Yeah, I, I agree with your disclaimer that this fan base would probably hate him, and I hate that that's the case. But, you know, at the end of the day, I want guys who can friggin' play hockey. Seeing Claude Giroux that's, depart yeah. from this team was so deflating yeah. to watching this actual team. And this team was tough to watch when he was there. But without Claude Giroux, this team really just turned into a sack of crap. It was dismal without him because like at least when you had Giroux around, you knew that there was someone who was just a world-class hockey player, one of the best in the world. I know people at this point say he's, you know, they discredit everything he's done, but like he's, uh, what is it? Since like 2010, he only like three players have more points than him. Yeah. He's and that's been like one of the Kane, best players Ovechkin in the and Crosby. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, clearly he's one of the best in the last decade. And like, um, I still think he's one of the best in the world right now. And it's, it sucks so much to know that at least you had him, that one dude. And now that he's gone, it's just like, wow, what do you watch now? Like Owen fucking Tippett. And I hate saying that because like, I want Owen Tippett to succeed. I'm excited for him next year. He showed some good flashes. Leave um, Owen alone. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> leave Owen alone. Um, he had some good flashes in the in his you know short brief stint with the Flyers after the trade, but like, dude, I mean, no one is replicating Claude Giroux, no one. No, no. And it's just so hard to watch this team without him because we've become so used to watching unbelievable hockey from Claude Giroux for all these years, and now it's just a bunch of just unspectacular dudes on this roster, and it really sucks. 
it's just a lot of solid but unspectacular guys. And uh, frankly, if Chuck Fletcher wants to do this retool, he's clearly, if he does want to make a run at Gaudreau, he's going to have to clear up some space. He's really going to have to do some maneuvering. And I, I don't envy his position here, but... I say if they are going to go for it with the retool, I really want them to go for it. Like in the way that they did last year, like obviously it was a huge failure last year, like a burning, (laughs) burning just pit of despair from last year, but they tried. And on paper, a lot of those moves were good. It just did not, it couldn't have worked out worse. It literally could not have worked out worse. And I would love to just see a massive, massive roster rework. And I I don't know what the hell they're going to have to do, but I I do know this much. The possibility of Johnny Gaudreau's out of here is exciting. And I I think people should be... It it sucks that people can't even agree that, like, a guy like that would be exciting to have on the Flyers. Yeah, no, I mean, it would be great. And I feel like... Um, like I see, you talked about last offseason, like the Ryan Ellis trade. I still love that trade. We I make I it mean, every time giving up nothing to get him. It, like I would do it 10 times out of 10 if I could. That's a good trade. And I feel like this year, like th- this is it for Fletcher. Like Chuck needs to realize like my ass is on the line here and I have got to do something, anything to turn this team around. And I feel like he's going to be swinging for the fences this offseason because he knows if he doesn't, he's going to be canned. Yeah, you would think he would be canned. I sure hope he would be if he if he fails yet again. And it's this is it. It's this is it. In he could be gone by Christmas if yeah things don't work out. Yeah, and I remember on the flagship show they were talking about like yeah that first round pick the Flyers got for Giroux. There's no way they're keeping that pick. I wholeheartedly believe they're trading that pick. Absolutely, I, I really know. think they will. I actually don't know. I, I I wouldn't be I, th- I what I want is I want Chuck Fletcher to only trade that if he can get appropriate value for that. Like I, I really think trading right. a number five pick, even though the talent isn't quite there's no game breakers really in the top ten this year really, and I, I know that sucks, but don't trade. Please for the love of God, don't give it up for another Risto or something as terrible. Like I, I like what I've heard about some of these guys like Nemich in particular sounds fantastic, but I, I don't know. Well, I, I should clarify. I mean the 2024 pick, not this year's pick. Oh, uh, the I, 2024 I, first round pick that they got for Giroux. I, I feel see, like that is definitely going to get traded. Oh, okay. Well then, Hmm. In theory, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, because the only the reason I feel like this and and Kelly brought up a good point. Like it was like a month ago. It was like right after the trade. Um, like Fletcher knows that he needs to he needs to make some big moves this season, and he knows that if it doesn't work out, he's going to be gone by 2024 anyway. So it won't matter if that pick isn't there because he's going to be somewhere else or just flat out unemployed. So that's kind of why I feel like he's going to swing for the fences this year and try and make some sort of big trade and use that 2024 pick to get something now, because if he doesn't, he has no future here anyway. So it's just, you know, it's a desperation move almost. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Just don't package it to get rid of uh, JVR's contract or anything like that. Yeah. Or bring in like another fucking Risto. Oh my God. There is only one Risto, unfortunately, and he's here for five years. 
What if they trade it for like Oliver Ekman Larson? No, don't will this. Into <laughs> Do not manifest this evil. Yeah. Uh, so many bad. I, if you want to, tra- if you want to tank for Bedard, I guess that's one way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what the. It's just the Flyers seem so without a plan right now, and it's just they say they have a plan with the whole aggressive retool thing, but it's just like, how are you going to do it? But what do you? What valuable assets do you have that you're going to retool with? And you don't have any cap space to do it with. So, like, what's what's going to happen here? I, I I don't know. I feel like their best bet is to trade picks, and they don't have a lot of picks either. So, I don't it's know. Great. It's great. This awesome. is just it's a really not great time for them. So, who do you think has more of a plan, Chuck Fletcher or Ron Hextall? Because Ron Hextall <laughs> apparently was Believe straight not, up Chuck asked Fletcher right now if he had a plan. Ron Hextall and, apparently can't even verbalize a plan. Can't even verbalize a plan. I have a plan, and I, <laughs> so this is for Josh Joey with the Athletic. Earlier this season, the Penguins' new ownership group told Hextall they wanted to see his vision for the team in writing. Hextall, a creature of habit and in the middle of regular season responsibilities, initially explained that his plan for the Penguins' future was in his head and not easily articulated by the written word. (laughs) What? (laughs) What, Ron? What? And I, I love the ownership group's response to this. He was told to write his vision for the Penguins' future anyway. Hextall respected ownership's request and provided a written summary, painting a verbal picture of the Penguins' future on his watch. Only the ownership circle is privy to Hextall's words and his vision. If the Fenway group is satisfied with it, he presumably will remain. If not, an already fascinating summer in Pittsburgh could become more tumultuous. What if, like, when they asked him to draw to like write out his plan anyway, he still wasn't able to like verbalize it. So he just drew like a stick figure picture of like someone holding up the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I, I was just thinking of this uh, is my plan. Behold, I, I don't know how much Simpsons you know, Ryan, but there's a, a Simpsons episode where uh, Millhouse's parents, uh, Kirk and Luann, uh, they get they break up in this episode, and it starts with them at a party, and they're playing Pictionary, and he's got this just big, Kirk's got this big like squiggly circle, and Luann can't guess what it is, and she guesses like everything under the sun, like a lake or something like that, and he, he, the timer goes off, and he goes, "It's dignity, Luann, it's dignity." <laughs> I feel like this is Ron's presentation. It's just this big, cir- this big like c- circle going. Like uh, this is a plan. Like, can't you see it? It's obvious. You nincompoops. It's not quite obvious, Ron. Got to tell you, not very obvious right now. Especially after what he just kind of did with you know who who was it? Who did they sign again? It was uh <laughs> So they signed Brian Rust. Brian Rust, who is a real hockey player. I've been told this numerous times that he is a real hockey player. Brian Rust seems like a fine hockey player, but he definitely seems like the prototypical great on the Pittsburgh Penguins would probably be a piece of shit anywhere else. But with Sidney Crosby and Malkin and all that cavalcade of bullshit, it does great. Uh, But they signed Rust to a six-year $30.75 million contract. That's $5.125 million AAV. And again, Rust is a pretty good player. He had 58 points in 60 games played this past season, 24 goals, 34 assists. He's 30 years old. So he just signed Brian Rust to a contract through his <laughs> year 36 of life, which in hockey terms, you've signed him 
through age like 66, right? Because retirement for most people is like 64, 65. Yeah. And most hockey players, especially average talent hockey players, really fall off a cliff around like after they're after they turn 30. So this really seems like a weird contract for, for Ron to sign here, especially with, and again, I, I realize they're both 35, but Malkin and Latang are sitting out there and he apparently offered them very similar contracts to this, which that's a big downgrade pay wise for those guys. That's insulting to like, even like throw that out there, you know, like I know they're older, and like more so this is for Malkin. Like Malkin is still, I know he has like injury problems, but when he's healthy, he's still absolutely one of the best in the world. There's and a like, team that's like going to throw 10. him money. There's a team that's a hundred percent going to throw him money yeah. this off season. Could you imagine if the flyers were that team? I have imagined this. He will never come here. Let me just say this. He's never going to be a flyer. Like if you have hopes of Malkin being a flyer, which like that would be weird because like fuck Malkin, but like <laughs> if he were a flyer, that would be so funny. It would be so funny because Penn's fans would have a conniption knowing that he, he's been tainted. His entire reputation as a penguin is tainted now that he's a flyer. It would be great. It would be Yager level funny because when yeah. Penguins fans lost their minds when Yager came here, which is really funny <laughs> because if you think about it, Yager had already at that point played for both the Rangers and the Capitals in the Eastern conference. So he'd already played for yeah. a couple of the rifles and, but the flyers are different, right? The flyers sit different with penguins fans. The Pittsburgh, the battle of Pennsylvania is very real and it really just rubs us both the wrong way. Like I still have nightmares about John LeClaire and he was terrible in a penguins uniform, but seeing him in a penguins uniform made me sick. And that was before the penguins right. flyers rivalry was as big as it is these days. And, to see Malkin in a Flyers uniform, number one, it would be upsetting because he is hideous. There's, this man is just He's not... He's a very ugly man. He's a very, very odd-looking human being. Yeah, Frankenstein's monster in a Flyers uniform is not exactly what we're <laughs> here to see. But regardless, it would be very funny. And it'd be kind of dope for the, like, 30 games he'd play. Yeah. No, like, I mean, let's not act like he's still not great at hockey. He's, like, fucking amazing. It's just, it just sucks because it's him. And, like... You know, I don't want someone with a constantly filled diaper on the team, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I guess that's what it, if that's what it is, it's whatever. Well, he's also such a like secretly dirty player. People don't really think about him as one of the dirtiest players in the NHL, but how many cheap secret, shots has though? he taken? I think like, it's a secret like more casual fans. I feel like hardcore fans like us, people who see this all the time, we yeah, realize yeah. it, but he flies under the radar for the casual fan as being a dirty player. He's always swinging his stick around trying to kill people and impale them. And it's just like, dude, what do you think? Like, I mean, TK wasn't, he wasn't just making a joke when he said that. And when he was mic'd up, he's just like, yo, that we that sticks a weapon there, buddy. Holy. Like, yeah, it is. Especially when it's in Malkin's hands. He's trying to kill people. Maybe because he's as ugly as the Hound from Game of Thrones. Maybe he thinks he is the Hound from Game of Thrones. <laughs> And he needs to make everyone else as ugly as the of the uh, Hound from Game of Thrones also. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, you know, I got this scar. So let's look at the, the games played <laughs> he's had in the past few years. He only had 41 games played this past season, 33 the season before, and that was a, a shorter season, I believe. Uh, 55 the season before that, 68. So the last time he had close to a full season played was 2017-18 when he had 78 games played. That said, he did have 98 points in those 78 games. Pretty good. 
pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. But this past season, he was closer to a point per game pace. He had 42 and 41. And yeah. this is clearly, I mean, he's 35 years old. As I said, hockey players, once you reach 30, it's kind of uh, the clock starts ticking for your career. A lot of guys just fade away very quickly. I, I mentioned Roy Halladay earlier. He's not a hockey player. He's a baseball player. And I thought Roy Halladay was going to pitch until he was like 50 years old. And he just fell right. off a cliff one season in his early 30s. It's wild to me to this day. Yeah, and it's it's the same thing kind of with Claude Giroux. I remember like a couple of years ago, I think it was not long after he turned 30, everyone was like, oh, Claude Giroux is like, you know, he's on the decline. I think he came off like a 58-point season or something like that. Like, not bad, but like um, certainly not what like up to the standards people are used to for him. And then the next season, he comes, he turns around and he has like a 102-point year. And it's just like, you, you really can't predict the aging process for some of these guys. Regardless, I think it'd be very funny to sign Malcolm, but I think it would be a, a poor hockey move salary cap wise. Because oh, I agree. The Flyers should not yeah, be, be allocating those resources. But I'm hoping that a team with, uh, let me pull up cap friendly real quick to see who's got cap space out there to pull this kind of uh, a move off next season because coyotes, um, no, it's the problem is he's not going to want to play in front of like 3000 people and no logo <laughs> center yeah. ice. and not even a halfway filled college arena. They can't even put their own shit on the ice. I think they could put their logo on, but they also have to have the college logo on as well. Yeah. So it's going to be like half. It's going to be like the center, the center ice circle is going to be like one side's coyotes. The other side's Arizona state. How about the predators? That'd be fun. Ooh, that would be fun. This or, is, I, dude. I fucking love the off season because we can do shit like this. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle's would be fun. Not I'm into that. Uh, Ottawa would be pretty funny, but that's that's just a bad move. Uh, here's I don't a, want anyone going to Columbus. That I was gonna say Columbus would be one that would irritate Penguins fans though, because at least I know from from Pittsburgh, Steve, he does not care for Columbus, and it's probably because of the proximity to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I just. The, the Blue Jackets are legit one of my, like, they might be my least favorite team just because they're useless. And uh, I just, I just, I hate Columbus. Like, I, they're just an annoying, dumb team that's never going to win anything. And Ohio is a, a shitty state. And I have no desire ever to go there. I've never been there and I never will because it sucks. I know I won't get any, like, I'll have no fulfillment by, entering the state lines of Ohio. And I just don't want them to have any good players. And as much as it, like, you know, we dunk on it, but like Malkin's a good player. I don't want him in Columbus. Okay. Go to like, <laughs> go to like, <laughs> go to a shitty team in a city that matters that actually exists or in a state that's real. A state that's real. That's, it's a good point right there. A state that's real is uh, I certainly. I hate Ohio. Like... You, you really do. Do not care for Ohio. It's not for you. Here we no, go. No one from Ohio has ever done anything to me, even said anything to me. But it's just, it's a, I, I don't I thought you were no. just going to leave it at no one from Ohio has ever done anything. <laughs> Which is not they true. Have the they have the band, the Black Keys. The creators of Superman are from Cleveland. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's they have the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They have the Rock and Roll. That's it. <laughs> Drew Carey show. That's named it all. Yeah. Cleveland like, Rocks. Not a ton of 
There's just not a ton of good stuff there. The Cloud Nothings, they're one of my favorite bands. They're from there. But I, like I have never understood why Columbus of all the cities in Ohio got the hockey team. Why wasn't it Cleveland? Why wasn't it Cincinnati? That's yeah, that's my thing. It's like, I don't know. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Like cuz there it's not like they're, you know, you do have Cincinnati, you do have Cleveland. And could you imagine like a Cincinnati Pittsburgh rivalry that would be fun it'd be great yeah i'm into it i'm into or cleveland pittsburgh even like all those other cities in ohio are great natural rivals with pittsburgh i don't know i I just uh, if malkin's gonna go somewhere i want him to go to like a big market city and so then he can still be in the spotlight and we can still like make fun of his ugly face on national tv (laughs) because the blue blue jacket thing showing up on national tv just not not a fan of the state of ohio right there at all no yes oh man i yeah well I, I, what about buffalo <laughs> send him to buffalo that would be funny it would definitely be funny i think he's gonna chase a paycheck ultimately but i, I would love to see i don't want to see this for the division because i think this would be a nightmare for the division but i think it'd be very funny for the mental health of penguins fans if he signed in washington yeah that would be funny it i think <sighs> could you could you imagine him going to like Chicago. Ugh. Like, I just hate it when any big name free agent goes to Chicago because it's just like Chicago was like the place for like a decade. And now it's just like, okay, we get it. Like, you know, they were good. Now they're trash. And it's just like, I, I don't know. Like, Chicago's just not, doesn't do it for me. Well, in the vein I want of something spicy. In the vein of teams that have, that were very good in the past decade. LA is a very interesting one for me to watch this off season because the Kings really were bigger up and comers this season than I thought they were going to be. I was surprised they made the playoffs and then they gave the Oilers a big fit in the first round. So I I think the Kings are going to be really interesting to watch this off season. I like the Kings. I like what they have going on. I love Byfield. Um, I like Kempe. Like they have some really good players there that they're kind of like flying under the radar and like, I don't know if they, who knows? Maybe Malkin coming in could be like, maybe he could be like that missing piece and kind of turn the Kings around. I don't know. Well, not around because they're already like doing okay. But like, yeah, that'd be an interesting, interesting uh, possibility. I just love how Mario Lemieux saw everything coming to an end and said, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. He, uh, he got out at the perfect time. Well, he knew. He right knew it was they all crashing down here. He- it's just like, I don't like that look of any of this. Uh, Crosby's yeah. getting old. Malkin's getting old. Like, I don't think either of those guys are going to pull a Tom Brady and play until the end of time to everybody's annoyance. Hopefully not. I, I don't I, I don't want to jinx it because if Crosby's still playing at 45, I'm just going to stop watching hockey. But yeah, because <laughs> he'll probably still be good. I hate his guts, but I respect him. But I, I just love how the news like, oh, this is a uh, this is looking bad. But, uh, I'll see you. Bye-bye now. Yeah. Back into retirement he goes. Back into retirement. I do want to I also am kind of curious where like Latang would go. Um and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. He's also my least favorite player in the NHL. So um <laughs> We're hair. talking about just my least favorite things today, I guess. Columbus, Ohio, the state of Ohio in general, and Chris Latang. These are a few of my least favorite things. I know a girl who goes to the dog park with me. We are, I was talking about hockey one day. She was just like, oh, you might know my cousin. And I was like, really? Who's your co- Does he play hockey? She's like, yeah, he's in the NHL. I'm like, no way. What team? And she's like, the Penguins. I was like, ew. ew. What, 
what player? And then she was like, Chris Letang, and I wanted to just fucking... <laughs> I, I had to hide my emotion. I was just like, oh, wow, no way, Letang? Wow! And then I was oh, wow. in my head, I was just like, fuck your cousin, dude. <laughs> fuck your cousin! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get your cousin the fuck out of here. Fuck your cousin. Oh, oh my back. God. Fuck those kids. Fuck your cousin. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he can go God. wherever the hell he wants. Just stay the fuck away from, you know, me. I don't oh, want him I, the same. I don't want him. God. I would if you were that. to go to like Washington, oh, I would, I would like geographically up. get closer to where I am, I would get so mad. Oh, I'd sign up for the Flyers immediately. I don't know if I want him on the Flyers. I would take him. I would take him. And, uh, I do. <laughs> He's old and I hate his face a lot. I know, but it's going to piss Penguins fans off. And I actually think he's a more useful player for this team than, than Malkin would be. Yeah. I mean, okay. With, without my like bias aside, he would make sense for the Flyers. I just don't see him ever coming here. No, no, no. I don't that see would be I don't see that any would be of really those. Great. I don't see anybody coming here for at least five years until shit gets cleaned up here. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know why anybody would want to come here. We're like desperately hoping Gaudreau just comes here for the story, for the, the hometown boy coming home to, to clean up the mess. But like yeah. outside of that, there is absolutely no reason for that guy to step foot in Philadelphia to play hockey unless he's on the visiting team. But Latang, you know, I mean, he's played 78 games this past season, 55 the season before, 61, 65, 79. So a little bit more durable than than Malkin's been. And he is a good defenseman, a good puck mover. And if you imagine this fantasy world where Ryan Ellis can be on the second pairing defense. And Rasmus Ristolainen making five million a season is on On the the third third pairing. Imagine that. Jesus Christ. That's pretty, but it's, that's where Risto needs to play because he sucks. He's not good. He need, Like he belongs on the third pair. Like he needs to be, he has to have sheltered minutes and he's just like the most glorified third pair defenseman of all time, honestly. But guys don't like playing against him, Ryan. They don't like playing against him. <laughs> tough to play against. He's a, he's a tough physical specimen. He's in your head, he baby. he crashing into the boards because he forgets how to skate. But he's a nice guy. The locker room loves him. He does seem like an awesome dude. Just like Andrew McDonald. (laughs) Dude, you know what I just realized? What's that? Ron Hextel gave Brian Rust even worse than the Andrew McDonald contract. But Brian Rust is at least pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, but like he's... Like I can't yeah, believe I you went for six years term. I, I can't believe you went for six years term for a 30 year old. Yeah, that's wild. A 30 year old, pretty good player who I'm convinced if you put him on any other team is nowhere close to the point. Per- like if you sw- swapped him and Cam Atkinson, Cam Atkinson is oh. probably putting up like 80 points next to Crosby. Oh, dude, <laughs> that would be actually wild. he, he yeah. might put up 90 points next to Crosby. Cam Atkinson's going to clean up. But like, I think Rust is probably going to go back down to like closer to like 50 points in 80 games or something like, you know what I mean? So, all right. So let's look at this. So Hextall is, it, it seems to me that one of Malkin and Latang will definitely be gone this year. I can't imagine both of them coming back. I think Malkin's the one who's leaving. I could see Malkin leaving. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they both go. I would love that. That would be so much fun. I, I do think it's 
like one of them is going to stay if I had to bet. All right. So you got, let's pretend Latang stays. You got Latang, Crosby, Gensel, Rust. And like who else? Uh, don't they have uh Rodriguez? Evan Rodriguez? Uh, Evan Rodriguez. I don't understand how this guy's a good hockey player. I really don't. I don't either. He somehow is. And um, Kasperi Kapanen's pretty good. Kapanen's all right, but like he's not someone that changes the hockey team. You know, he's not someone that. The most important player on the Pittsburgh Penguins resides in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, and his name is Mark Friedman. <laughs> How can I forget their top pair defenseman? How can you get forget Mark Friedman, the most important flyer of all time, the only guy who, who brought a pulse out, Nolan Patrick? You know what? He's the most versatile Possibly the most versatile player in all of hockey right now. He's a defenseman. He's a forward. He could probably play goalie if we wanted him to. And he certainly can play the heel. Oh, most definitely the heel. Most definitely the heel. Oh, I just, you've seen I, him in the face. You've seen him in the heel. The he only do thing. He can do it all. The only thing that can bring me joy in my cold, dead orange and black heart right now is to see the Pittsburgh Penguins crumble to dust. Yeah, we're closer to that than I think people realize. Yes, but make the playoffs next year, guys. Okay, I don't want you sniffing Bedard. I w- if if they become bad next year and they win, because the, they would win the, win the lottery, even if they were like the tenth worst team in the NHL, you know they're winning the fucking lottery. Bettman, I'm telling you, Bettman has raked everything for this franchise for some reason. The Kansas City Penguins only do not exist because Bettman has raked this shit for them. Yes, I I just. I don't even want to think about a world where they get Bedard. No, no. So just make the playoffs. Play. Ron, re-sign Letang. Okay. Letang will keep you good for two more years. Malkin, I think Malkin is going to chase a paycheck somewhere. And somewhere, I, I wish that, I wish that Ron Francis wasn't the GM in Seattle. Because I really want a lunatic in there to just say, look <laughs> at this cap space. Let's spend it, baby. <laughs> like, I want someone like... Like McPhee or McCrimmon from Vegas. I want like someone just nuts just making all the moves in Seattle because they can. They have like all this cap space. They have so many draft picks. It's ridiculous. Yes. And they could do so much damage with that. Sign Malkin. Sign somebody. uh, Sign Kessel too. Why not? Just go nuts for a year. Do do like a Florida Marlins in 97. Uh, I believe the the (laughs) Marlins in 97, that's when they signed like Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla. I'll have to see if... I don't think Barry Bonds was on that team. Bobby Bonilla was on that team. I remember that. They, I remember them trading for Darren Dalton because Darren Dalton won his World Series with them. And I, I remember being happy for Dalton, but didn't give a shit about the Marlins at that point. But that team right. was just stacked. I'm going to look up that team. But do like a crazy mercenary team for a year. This seems like a great year for mercenaries. Get a bunch of guys on one-year contracts, <laughs> right? And just it just go ham. What if they got both... both- Evgeny Malkin and Christopher Latang. Christopher Latang, Doc. Get them both, Doc, in Seattle. And then that's how you win a championship, Doc. I'll hang up and listen. I don't know why <laughs> he's now calling into the show, but that's, that's, well, maybe that's what Pierre's doing at this point because he doesn't have a job. You know what? I'll tell you what, Steve. If it doesn't work out with uh, Chuck Fletcher, we have a fallback in a, oh my a good God. old. 
Pierre Maguire. Oh, my God. Actually, the funniest scenario is where Ron Hextall gets fired and Pierre takes over <laughs> <Yeah>. Pittsburgh. <laughs> that would be good. That'd be great. For the record, those 1997 Florida Marlins had Jeff Conine, Edgar Renteria, Bobby Bonilla, Moises Alou, Gary Sheffield is who I was confusing with uh, Barry Bonds there. Bonilla and Bonds played together back in the day, but and then uh, Al Leiter, I don't know, Levon Hernandez, they, they had some great players. I just remember them being a very mercenary team, so I'd love to see Seattle do that as an up-and-comer, because that's basically what Florida did at the time. But yeah. you were saying something about our dear friend Pierre Maguire, is that right? Pierre Maguire. What were you oh. saying? Sorry. What are you doing, uh, Doc? Pierre Maguire, that would be very amazing if he goes to Pittsburgh. Because, like, all right. So you got Hextall. And, like, because I, I know Pierre Maguire. Didn't he used to work for the Penguins as a scout? I don't know, actually. But I, I believe it. And I certainly believe the guy was a scout. Doc, did you know that up in Manitoba, that's where Sidney Crosby first learned how to ski? <laughs> Manitoba it's just it would be so funny for because I do think like the fact that the Penguins had to go up to Ron Hextall and say we want you to write down what your plan is that's bad like and he has not been the GM there long I really feel like like they could be close to making to pulling the plug on him because of the fact that they had to ask him to write down what plan he has because you would think they would have known that plan when they hired him it's an absolute George Costanza situation where like, yeah, I can totally see George running the Yankees or something and Steinbrenner gone, Hey George, tell me what your plan is. And that was a terrible Steinbrenner. I apologize. But <laughs> yeah. George is going like, Mr. Steinbrenner, I, I, I got a plan. Just uh, it's in my head and I can't verbalize it for you. <laughs> I, just, I just, why? I know. I, I, I feel like they, if they do move on from Hextall, which I think is possibly closer than than people think it could be, like, what if Pierre Maguire did? Because I, I'm looking at it right now. He joined the Penguins in 1990 as a special assignment coach. When Bowman, when, uh, yeah, when Bowman became interim head coach in 1991, Maguire was named an assistant coach. He won a Stanley Cup as an assistant coach of the Penguins in 92. Ryan, I have the funniest scenario for you. The funniest scenario here is that Ron Hextall gets fired. Brian Burke is installed as the GM. And Pierre Maguire <laughs> replaces Brian Burke in the front office. Oh, boy. A Pierre Maguire, Brian Burke front office is one of the most loud, boisterous disasters of a front office I can possibly imagine. And I great. want to see it so badly. Brian Burke makes me so uncomfortable. What do you mean? His eight foot tall hair? <laughs> yes. His constantly His red face. I just, he's he just, such he, an he constantly looks like a guy dude. who's just waking up from a whiskey bender. Like he's been asleep on the bar and that's how he wakes up. Like, oh, what time is it? He looks like the photo of John Schnatter all sweaty. But with white hair slicked back. <laughs> oh, the pizza papa himself. Oh, man. Fucking John Schnatter. He looks like him, dude. Just with white hair. Extremely white hair. You don't see hair this white. And it's slicked back. And it's just... It's just... He's such a 
God, what a weird man. But the problem with Brian Burke is, like, I want to hate on him, but he also is, like, a good guy sometimes, where he actually, he stands up for, like, LGBTQ rights and things like that, because uh, because of his son, Brendan. Yeah, because his son, Brendan, is a huge advocate for it. And it's just, it's wild to me that, like, he can can be this great guy, but also just be this, like, terrible, traditional old hockey man. That is very odd. Yeah. Yeah, here he is. He's wearing a, huh. Yeah, he's got the he's got a jersey on. Yeah. Huh. I did not know that. That's pretty wild. I yeah. never would have guessed that. Brendan Burke is one of those guys who's done a, a ton for LGBTQ in hockey, and it's just I, I love him for that. And it's it's wild to think because Brian Burke looks like the most stereotypical old hockey man you can think of. Yeah. Just somebody who just looks like he's just thinking about like, I don't know, just the old school constantly. Oh, he's fancy young guy. So to think of him having a progressive view on something like that is, is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But I, mean, hey, I don't know. He is. He is, but he's he looks, he definitely, out. yes, he freaks me out. He looks like somebody who's just constantly waking up from a bender. <laughs> Eight, eight, eight foot tall hair. <laughs> yeah, like Marge Simpson. Right there. His hair, that's such a great way of putting it because his hair is just huge. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it's just there's gigantic. no other way to say it. It's just huge hair. It's huge hair. It's a wall of ice. It's the wall from Game of Thrones. <laughs> another Game of Thrones reference in this one. The amount of product he puts in his hair is wild. Jon Snow's just hanging out on the top of Brian Burke's hair. <laughs> Scowling. Oh. Let's take a quick break and talk about some playoffs. I could probably talk about Brian Burke's hair for two more hours, Ryan. Oh, I could talk about it till the sun comes down. I mean, honestly. Honestly, honestly. And I really was going to continue that conversation, but at some point I got to get back to work and, and we got to talk about the playoffs, man. There's so much to talk about and we got to move yoss, on. Baby, yoss. yoss, we're all about the yoss. I'm not about the plops. I like the yoffs. Yeah, the yoffs are way better than the playoffs. Yeah, we'll just change it to the offs. The offs. Offs. Yes. Uh, speaking of shortening things, our, uh, our thurs, the pants, not doing so great. <laughs> no, the pants are not doing so great. And <laughs> I, if anybody's curious why I refer to them as the paths on Twitter, because Tim Panaccio used to have the strangest abbreviations for all the teams, <laughs> and he used to call the Panthers the paths. <laughs> paths win game. That's so strange. What a strange man. I miss him dearly every day. I like day. calling them the Thurs. The, the Florida Thurs. Florida Thurs. Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, think, I, I hate that things aren't do- doing too well for Claude right now. It's, yeah. And it's not people like a bunch of the like really bitter Flyers fans that are mad that he left or just have hated Giroux for no reason forever. Like a lot of them are just like loving this. And I hate that this is going their way. It's not, they're blaming him for all this. It's like, dude, the team has is averaging one goal a game. Yeah, I don't this think they stopped Giroux's scoring fault. because Claude Giroux, who's not wearing a C there, just appeared and still plays good two-way hockey. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't it's stop just, scoring just because of one guy. It doesn't make any sense. If anything, it's just that they haven't adapted to Tampa Bay's system. And frankly, Tampa Bay's won two straight cups. They know what the fuck they're doing in the playoffs. And that was one of our concerns coming into this round is that their playoff experience and them knowing how to play in the playoffs would slow down the Panthers. And it's exactly what's happening. Yeah. No, it's been terrible. And like, I don't know, hopefully they can 
orchestrate some sort of comeback. Claude Giroux has been down 3 nothing in the playoffs before and won. Ooh, that's spicy. And it's happened. Maybe I got to appear for game four because that's what happened in that seven game comeback is I went to, to game four and expected nothing. And then they won the series. Pack your bags, Steve. All right. Get down to Fort, get down to Fort Lauderdale. We're going to Florida. I'm, I'm wearing 16 KN 95s on my face because that is <laughs> yeah. the COVID state of uh, America, the COVID capital of America. But uh, yeah, I feel bad for Claude and I, I love these people rubbing it in his face that Colorado is doing so, but by the way, Colorado is only up to one on the blues who nobody expected that. And yeah. I, I do agree. I think I always thought he should have gone to Colorado because I thought Colorado had an easier path to the cup. And I think he would yeah. have been such a great fit on that team. But at the same time, the Panthers won the president's trophy. They're a very good hockey team, very fast hockey team. And it's kind of stunning to everybody just how much Tampa Bay has been just kind of, well, I want to say dominating in the series, but I also don't because like game two, for instance, was a one-to-one game that only ended before overtime because Florida had such a bad, bad defensive miscue. Yeah. Two guys. It was very Flyers-esque actually. It really was like, I feel like I almost had some sort of PTSD moment watching that because it was just so it was very, very flyers. So yeah. T- I, two I guys I, following I like... the puck holder behind the net who passes it out front to a wide open guy who scores the goal. It's just like, I could see Risto and Sandheim doing that because they're not communicating properly. And then the guy walks out and I'm sorry to pick on those guys, but I'm also not. I mean, spot the lie though. Um, but no, like, I, I mean, it, that was, that was brutal. Like seeing that. And I feel like that, that they were just so deflated after that loss. And I feel like it's just kind of carried over to game three and hopefully game four tonight. Win one game. A back to back in the playoffs is so stupid. I don't understand yeah, why they're dumb. playing tonight. Yeah. I don't either. That was very bizarre. I, don't, I, I guess the arena was already booked for, something i don't know that's the only thing i can think of but oh yeah that could yeah, make sense, yeah not a fan of back-to-backs yeah the um the tampa bay football or basketball team right that exists it doesn't oh yeah definitely exists absolutely yeah, definitely exists the I, I was trying to think of a good name for them but i can't think of anything tampa bay yeah i can't think of anything the tampa bay solar tampa cups bay... <laughs> the tampa bay covid havers um but yeah <laughs> covid crew no, I, I feel like the, the tampa yeah. bay covid crew <laughs> the COVID group, but no, hopefully tonight they can, you know, they can get one win, just get one and then see what happens after that. It's the whole cliche one game at a time, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I just want to see a competitive series ultimately. So please get yeah. back in the game. Please get back in the series. We was, I want to see it go at least six, right? Because it's good hockey. I want to see it. It's much better hockey. I, I kind of labeled the sections here, the good, the bad and the ugly. And like in the good, I have like the Battle of Alberta and the Avs Blues that series has been being a lot competitive. Of but the the Tampa Bay series, the Tampa Bay Florida series, is firmly in the bad here. And the other thing I have mentioned here in the bad is the Hurricanes Rangers series because while they might look on paper to be very comparable series, right? The Hurricanes and Rangers series has been so boring. I just have not enjoyed watching it at all. The only, the most exciting thing from that series so far has been um, uh, Max Domi just going up to Lindgren after the final horn and just like cross-checking the shit out of his spine and then oh starting a little scrum after that. That's the most like exciting thing I've seen from that series. 
It's just like bad people doing bad shit in that series because you got Max yeah. Domi who kind of sucks and oh, he does suck. And you've got Tony D'Angelo getting yapped at by uh, Gerard Gallant. And I will say I, that was awesome. I loved Gerard Gallant literally telling him, shut the fuck up and calling him a little, just like a little chatterbox or whatever. Like it's, yeah, yeah that was yeah. pretty awesome. That was great. And I, I, I it was funny because I saw a writer have a tweet. I forget which writer it is, but he was like, do we really have to boo Tony D? And all the responses were, yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, of course. You know, like it was, it's so funny because it seems like most people understand the assignment here, but there are definitely some people who... And they're probably more on the Carolina side who are just like, well, he's a good hockey player on our team and I don't care about him personally. And I wouldn't care about him personally if he hadn't really inserted himself and been so publicly open about his just shitty views on things. And I I know he's a piece of shit. I can't unforget that. I can't forget it. Unforget is not a word here, but uh, and it also is wrong here. But (laughs) it's just I I mentioned (laughs) under the ugly section, pieces of shit having a good playoffs in general and. Tony D'Angelo has eight points in 10 games. So he's actually doing great, but he's already gotten into it with both Brad Marchand, who again, you have to be a (laughs) tremendous piece of shit for us to side with Brad Marchand. Yes, you do. He literally, God, that was so awesome. I don't know. From what I listen, I know everyone has an opinion about Brad Marchand for everything I've heard about him off the ice. I've heard he's a really good dude. And like just the fact that he's called that he literally on the ice in front of a million people was calling him a like flat out racist was terrific. Oh, it was fantastic. And well, I mean, like Marshan had the thing with uh, Kevin Hayes' nephew earlier this season. Uh, what is that you're referring to? Uh, I forget offhand, but it was, that was a positive thing, right? Where he. Oh, OK. He did. Uh, I got to look up, but he, he did something positive for. Kevin Hayes nephew like he took him to a game or something like that yeah uh, I do believe he was pretty close to the Hayes family just because I know he was a teammate of Jimmy Hayes um and yeah I, I feel like he, he and Kevin Hayes are probably pretty close to some degree but then again how can you not be close with Kevin Hayes he seems like an extremely likable human being Okay, so here's the quote. Uh, The Bruins have been amazing with my family and my brother's family. Hayes said on ESPN's The Point, especially Brad Marchand, he has played street hockey with Jimmy Sunbow. He went down to the local Dorchester rink and hung out with them, got them sticks, got them pucks. Bo wants to be Kevin Hayes and Brad Marchand every single morning when he wakes up. That's cool shit. It's really cool. The guy is, again, we all want to hate him. Uh, for good reason, he licked a guy on the ice one time. I know. <laughs> multiple people. He's yeah, a, multiple. He's a serial liquor, Steve. A serial liquor. It's pretty gross. And he is just a pain in the ass on the ice. I hate watching him. But he does seem like a legitimately good, legitimately good guy off the ice. It kind of drives me nuts. But, I mean, D'Angelo's already gotten into it with two different people in two different rounds. And... I don't need to rehash all the shit he's done. You can go look it up. We know what he's done. And I hate that he's doing well. And I also hate that Evander Kane is crushing it in the easily most entertaining series. I think I've seen in a a hot minute, maybe since last year's or the last time Tampa Bay and Florida played each other. But like this season, the battle of Alberta has been just a stunning, stunningly entertaining hockey. It's been insane hockey. It's like, like the first game it, that was like Flyers Penguins 2011 vibes, where it's just like there's an incessant amount of there's no defense at all and terrible goaltending for both teams, and it's just been crazy goals, crazy shifts. Like 
the what the I think the Flames were up like six one or something in game one, and then it was like six five. Just insanity from both teams, and obviously there's like a lot of um, uh, temper tantrums from both teams because they just hate each other so much. And like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like after after what happened with Mike Smith last game, I know that there was a lot of complaints from Oilers fans about you know dirty stuff like Lucic. I remember late in the game that started a whole melee. So like, I'm kind of waiting for like shit to really pop off in this series because I feel in terms of like you know people being like fights and stuff I feel like there's more to come for that like a lot more to come oh and for I'm sure for it. it's just I'm gonna get chip- it's just gonna get chippier from here these guys are just yeah. gonna go at it and it's gonna get chippier it's definitely it, it's entertaining as hell I, I'm sad that last game was actually just uh, kind of a dominating Oilers win right there and yeah. it's so funny to think about the fact that the Flames have been so good this year but Milan Lucic is not only still in the league but was on that successful hockey team <laughs> I know he was on there what what happened to James Neal wasn't he on the Flames like last season and he was like killing it he went to Mars, I believe. I wouldn't be shocked. About where, that. where, where in the world is James Neal? Is a where a is great James question. Neal? Where in the world is that piece of shit, James Neal? I haven't thought about James Neal in like the last two years until this exact moment. So now I'm like, that guy went from being just one of the biggest pain in the ass players that I was so happy to see go when he did because I hated watching him with Pittsburgh. It was awful. To He's bounced around, so he went from Pittsburgh to Nashville to Vegas to Calgary to Edmonton. Apparently, he was on St. Louis and played 19 games this season. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then, where is he at? I think he's in the minors right now. I think he's... uh, Yeah, I don't uh, think he's even... Oh, he was on the the Blues this year. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was last year he was on the Blues. Uh, I thought he was... 28 games for the Springfield Thunderbirds this season. So I think he's with the the Springfield Thunderbirds. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, fuck him. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here, James Neal. It's so weird to think about the fact that Lucic is still bouncing around, though, and just doing this Lucic thing. And it's just all about running goalies right now. That one was a little... That one was much more egregious than the other one that we're going to spend the bulk of the rest of the show talking about. I thought the Lucic one, that was clearly just him going after him, taking a run at Mike Smith, who Mike Smith's old. I mean, he's probably the same age as Lucic, but uh, he can't take this. I mean, that's assaulting a senior citizen right there. It really is. You know, it's just wrong. I feel like that one was like, he clearly, that was more, um, I don't even know if I want to say intentional. It, It was definitely more blatant for sure. But I don't even know if that was like, you know, um, he he was like seeking out to do that. You know, I I don't think he was like seeking out to hurt Mike Smith or anything like that. Um, People are acting like he should be fucking given the death penalty for it. And I wouldn't go that fucking far. But it's a little bit, a little much. That's a a slight, slight overreaction. But um, yeah, no, I, I think. That one was definitely worse than than the other one. Yeah. Well, and the, and the thing one, is, obviously, we're going to talk about reputation with the other one, and yeah. I think that's a, a majorly blown out of proportion reputation wise. Lucic, it is not blown out of blown out of proportion. This guy has a reputation for being a dirty player. He always has. It was even goes back to his Boston days when he was a guy who could, you know, screw you up in a fight 
I'll just say fuck you up in a fight because that's what I was going to say. I, I, I realized for a second that I don't care if kids listen to the show, and I apologize to all the parents who are listening Podcast, in front of their children. No rules. We can do what this, we want. Exactly. And this is hyperbole. We've never backed away from cursing. But he could fuck you up in a fight, and he also could score goals on you. Like, he was really, really great player for Boston back in the day. And, of course, he didn't age well because those, those hard-nosed players usually don't age well. But Lucic has more of a reputation for being a dirty player than Nazem Kadri, who we're going to talk about Nazem Kadri right now. And this was a big deal. He had a collision with Jordan Bennington, who's not exactly well-liked around the league himself the other night. And this Colorado St. Louis series has certainly been a lot closer than we expected it to be. I, I know we were talking about this last week. We we're talking about Colorado kind of blowing away St. Louis and that has not happened. And St. Louis has really stood their ground. They've played good, solid defensive hockey and really made this a series. But then this Kadri Bennington incident happened and it's kind of blown the lid off the whole thing. And people are acting like Nazem Kadri is one of the dirtiest guys in the league, and he's always been this way and everything. I don't. I, he might have had a reputation for being a chippy guy, but I've never heard him about being a particularly dirty player. And it's a, um, it's a little su- suspect here. He's had some dirty moments, definitely, but he isn't someone I would go out and say that he. I wouldn't put him quite in the like Tom Wilson category. And I feel like that's what people, certain people are classifying him as now. And I just don't see that at all. The problem I have with this whole thing is that if Nazem Kadri did something actually dirty, then sure, he deserves criticism. But what he never, no one ever in any situation deserves what he's going through right now. And that is threats. Um, all right. Well, before we get into that, let's just let's go talk about the, the hit first and then we'll get yeah, into yeah, the, the more that. social aspects of this. But like the, the actual incident that happened, how would you describe it to somebody who, who hadn't quite seen this, who somebody might, you know, have been out of the loop on this? All right. So someone took a shot on goal. Bennington made the save, but he didn't corral the puck. So it went kind of like in the air and it was a rebound. And the puck was just kind of sitting in the crease with Bennington not totally sure where the puck was. So there was like, the net was halfway open. Like, like half the net was completely open. Kadri sees this and he's like, oh shit, puck sitting in the crease. I need to go make a play on that puck and try and push it, nudge it into the net. So he steers in the direction of the net and then a Blues defenseman, I can't remember which defenseman it was. I think, was it Pareko? I can't remember. But a Blues defenseman comes in and they kind of collide, and that changes both of their trajectories into, and they, they, because of their collision, they kind of go into Bennington, take out Bennington, and now Bennington's hurt. I don't think he's playing the rest of this series. That's correct. And people are looking at this replay saying, Kadri should be suspended, he's a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. And if you look at it, like, there's, he wasn't even going towards, he was going nowhere near Bennington before he made contact with that Blues player. And people are saying, well, he should have avoided the, that defenseman, that Blues defenseman. It's like, dude, if he does that, he gets eviscerated for not trying to make a play on that puck and trying to extend the lead there. Like, you have to make that, you have got to make a play on that puck there when it's sitting in the crease like that. If you don't, like you, you get classified as lazy and then your teammates take notice of that. They're like, dude, what are you doing? The puck yeah. is sitting right there. 
Well, and that's the style of game that Kadri plays. He plays a hard-nosed, like, go, Very hard nose. go yeah. hard into the net kind of game. And that's why he's a successful hockey player. If, exactly. if you don't want to see plays like this, you might as well not watch hockey. This is a hockey play. Yeah. This is, it's a total hockey play. And I feel like people just are, they're going off of his reputation because he has put out some dirty hits before. He has, you know, like shoulders to the to the head and, and all that. Like he's he's made some dirty hits in the past, but this is not dirty at all. If there was no Blues defenseman there, then yeah, that's dirty as hell if he goes barreling into Jordan Bennington like that. But he didn't, it was an involuntary collision. He didn't mean to do that. He was trying to make a play on the puck. And it unfortunately resulted in the collision. Sorry about it. Shit happens. I feel like I've seen this kind of play happen against the Flyers and not even get called for goaltender interference. Yeah, it shouldn't be. Right. But I'm saying like, I see, I feel like I see this shit all the time against the Flyers and like, we, we yeah. don't even get like any sort of call for any of this, like nothing. So let alone, this isn't a dirty hit is what I'm trying to say. This is just something that's kind Absolutely. of routine in the yeah. game. And so then, okay, so that's one thing, right? To call him a dirty player and everything. But then, so this escalates a little bit. Bennington apparently threw a water bottle at Kadri during a post-game interview, which is so childish and just, yeah. what? I don't understand. Did you see the video? Yeah, I saw the video. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you can even like hear the water bottle hit the ground and he looks over like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it's it's strange. And Bennington has this reputation for being a little childish, for being a jerk like this. I, I always wondered yeah. before the series, because I know Craig always used to kind of speak down when talking about Bennington, like he didn't like Bennington. And I think people just don't like him based on what I've heard. Yeah, he seems to, I mean, he has little temper tantrums like this all the time and like, um, even in the AHL, I remember, I believe he was playing for, I can't, the San Antonio stampede. I think I can't remember what team he was on, but like he started a whole thing in the AHL too, before he, before he went on his run with the, uh, the blues to win the Stanley cup a few years ago. So like he definitely has this reputation and like, I, I mean, I don't know how well liked or not liked he is by like his teammates and stuff, but like it's pretty clear that he does has have that reputation amongst other players around, you know, and on other teams in the NHL. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's just a really bad look for him. It's a very bad look for him, but the worst thing. So Bennington's out for the rest of the series with Colorado. Yeah. Um, the, the blues do have a, who's the backup goaltender on the blues is coming in. Billy Huso, who was amazing. He basically, he basically took Bennington's job during the regular season. Yeah. So it's not like, I'm not really justifying anything here, but you know, it's not like the blues are left in the worst position in the world. They still have a very qualified goaltender to step in. We're still going to have a hell of a series from here where this really gets out of hand is apparently. And I just hate that we're talking about this again. And I hate this for more of a societal uh, reason than necessarily hating this for, you know, I want to address it. I wouldn't address it on the show if I didn't want to address it, but apparently there has been, racism against Kadri. Uh, Akeem Alou, who, as we know, dealt with his own 
issues on the racism front, unfortunately, uh, tweeted out that he talked to Kadri about his inadvertent collision with Bennington. Nas has been sorry, has been subject to so many racist attacks and threats since last night that police had to be brought in. Racist attacks like this have no place in hockey and should be investigated and reported on. And so Kadri is of Lebanese descent, according to his uh, Wikipedia page here. And just, I guess it's just the fact that he is a non-totally white bread hockey player here that will make people be racist against him, which is just so disheartening to me. So absurd to me that the first thing people just want to attack him for race, like number one, you shouldn't be attacking him all over the sit. And that's ridiculous. But why this has to be brought to racial levels is absurd. And it's scummy, shitty people out there that piss me off. And the fact that this guy's got to live in fear because he played a hockey game and made a hockey play is just insane. It's disgusting. I want to throw up thinking about it. And it's just this, I, not to go on a, this world we live in rant, but it's just the, the, I think we have to keep talking about racism. Well, I want to keep talking about it all the time because it should be addressed and we should be just bringing these rats out of their holes and shaming every one of them for what they're doing because this is just wrong. And it just feels like we're seeing more incidents and it's a lot of just the, the dynamics in America right now. I mean, the Buffalo shooting that happened a couple weeks ago is just so tragic and so awful. And very clearly racially motivated. It's if you're saying otherwise, you are an idiot. Okay. There's just no other right. way to say it. And there was a comment from Marjorie Taylor green earlier today. That was uh, basically, she said white supremacy should not be the main target. We should not be pursuing people based on how they vote. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> it was basically, you know, talking about white supremacist domestic terrorism this Buffalo incident is Buffalo shooting is white domestic, I'm sorry, white supremacist, domestic terrorism. It it very clearly is. And to see these race, these racists feel empowered as they have for the past few years is just, it pisses me off. It pisses me off. And to see people just coming against uh, Kadri to loop it back to Kadri like this for just any difference in race Bring it up and and making it personal like that for a goddamn hockey player getting injured in a playoff game. It's just what the fuck is wrong with these people? What I yeah I, I God it makes me so mad. And I don't know. I I don't want to. I shouldn't speculate on this because I I don't want people to get like you know false information or anything like that. But it makes me wonder like if players themselves were, were saying these things to Kadri. And it makes me wonder if one of those players might've been Bennington because I know that Bennington has tweeted some uh, not so great things about um, people of Nazem Kadri's descent in the past. Jesus. This is so frustrating because I think we, we as hockey fans have to fight this perception a lot that this is a racist sport because it's a very white sport. 
there's no denying that it is an incredibly white sport and every player who is different that comes into the league seems subject to just atrocious things that I would wish on nobody. And it's just wrong that this keeps happening and happens with the frequency that it does. I I, I always go back. I think this is the first time I I talked about a, a racist incident on the podcast was the Wayne Simmons banana incident back in the day, which is still just, it, it, I want to punch a wall thinking about all this stuff. Like I, I'm so filled with rage right now and more so than I thought I was going to be, you know, considering how sadly often I have to talk about this stuff. I, my blood is boiling thinking about all of this right now. It's hard. The, the worst part about it is it's hard to think of a single player in the NHL who's not white who has not experienced some sort of, you know, racial abuse like this. Wayne Simmons, obviously. P.K. Subban, obviously. Even younger players. Ke'Andre Miller. Ugh. Nazem Kadri, Akeem Alou. It just goes on and on and on. And it's just like, what, like if you're not white and you're in the NHL, it like you basically have to just expect that that's going to happen and it shouldn't be that way at all. And it sucks. And it's just unacceptable that that's what is happening right now. Like the, it's, I don't know. Can you imagine any other job where part of getting the job is, Oh, by the way, you're going to have to be subject to just horrific racism. Yeah. It's For insane. No, it's, it's just, it's, it sucks. I, I can't say be better enough. And, you know, if you see the shit, call it out. I cannot state that enough. Like, call it out for what it is. People being racist, being people, just being pieces of shit. And we can't stand for this in society, in hockey, any of it. it it's just, it's gotten out of, it, it, it. any incident is out of hand. But it feels like it's getting worse. And I... I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to try to enjoy sports in that world where where stuff like this happens. And and shame on every goddamn person. Uh, number one, you shouldn't attack an attack an athlete over anything. Okay, that's bullshit to start with. But let alone making it racial and making it, it attacks and threats and all that shit. Fuck off, guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're all adults here. You know, I don't know. It's it's insane that it comes down to this. And I hate that we're still having this conversation, but I don't know. Before the show started, we were talking about this a little bit too. And weirdly enough, at least people are calling it out now. You know, I hate that it's happening and I hate that we're having these discussions. But in a weird way, I, I am glad we're having these discussions because when we had these discussions, this is what starts new change or like legitimate change you know um and i don't know if like if you if you're playing hockey even if it's just like ball hockey roller hockey like just beer league hockey if someone says something shitty racial or something like that to someone like clearly racist call them out even if it's not even during just in general can we like throw some homophobia in here too? Now. Be- because hockey is such a problem with homophobia to this day too. 
Yes, both. Exactly. Well, great point. I should have mentioned that as well. Well, no, I, like, I mean, I'm just I'm just stating that just because it is such a pervasive problem. And it's always yeah. kind of a, a, a sick joke when NHL celebrates LGBTQ causes because it's like you think about what these guys say and how often they have stuff said on the ice that like people don't hear unless you're on the ice. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, if someone's saying things like this, like racist, homophobic slurs, whatever it is, you have to call them out. It's just it's the year 2022. We are so we should be. I'll say that we should be so far beyond this now. And apparently we're not. And that needs to change, especially if we want to grow this great sport of hockey, because if it stays like this, I mean, (laughs) nothing good's coming out of it. No, no. And uh, it's, it's, it's always, it's always kind of a, a slap in the face when you hear hockey is for everyone, because this stuff definitely makes you feel like hockey is not for everyone. And that's just wrong. Yeah, it, it it makes it feel like it's uh, designed specifically for one certain criteria, and it's not fair. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's total bullshit. I reject that. Hockey should be for everyone, and we cannot let this shit stand. So to make a hard pivot, because I'm just furious right now, and I just, I'm seeing red, and this is terrible. How do we see the, the rest of these series playing out right now? So the, the Avalanche are leading the Blues. Bennington is going to be out, but Huso is a very, very qualified uh, replacement in there. I really still think that talent is going to prevail here, and Colorado is going to win the day. Yeah, I've I've been, like, surprised by the Blues. I had a feeling they were going to be pretty competitive in this series, and they have been pretty, like, so far. But they're not winning this series. <laughs> Colorado is way too fucking good. Colorado is winning this series. I th- think they're going to take it in five or six games. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, maybe the Blues like steal another one, but I feel like Colorado is definitely, I don't, I don't think it's going to seven. Definitely not. I'll be surprised if it does. And if it does, that'd be fun because like, game be sevens fun. are fun. There were a ton of game sevens last round. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome. So give me all the game sevens, but I feel like Colorado is going to win this thing fairly easily i don't know i the battle of alberta is the one that's kind of that's the trickiest one for me like like the hurricanes rangers the hurricanes i feel like they're gonna win that one tampa's basically gonna i mean it's very it's so it, it looks pretty certain they're gonna win their series yeah but the battle of our alberta man like one night one team looks dominant and then the next night the other looks dominant and like I know the flames are down two one. We're back in Edmonton now, but like, I don't know. Daryl Sutter is a hell of a coach and I feel like he can, I feel like he, he could put together a recipe to take down um, McDavid and dry And dry is not a hundred percent right now at all. Like you can no. kind of tell just watching that series. I really, I would want nothing more than for that series to go to seven games. What's, what's his issue? A knee issue for dry I can't really, I haven't been able to tell really. He just looks not right. He doesn't look like himself at all. No, he, do- he doesn't look like himself. But the bad news for the Flames is McDavid is just crushing it right now. Like this is the yeah. best I think McDavid's ever looked in the playoffs. He's got 23 points in 10 games played. <laughs> Could this be one of those crazy years where someone gets to Con Smythe who like doesn't go to the Stanley Cup final? He's going to have to make it out of this round. If he if the Oilers make it to the 
Western Conference Finals, I could see that happening. But if he gets eliminated in the second round, I don't think that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a big if because it's still like hockey men are never going to accept that really. That's, that's a, that's, that'd be pretty wild if that did happen. Yeah. I don't know. I think that would be, I think that that would be pretty spicy if, if he did end up getting like at this point, no one is playing as well as McDavid in these playoffs. If he makes it to the second or to the, um, the semifinals of the conference final, like, and he doesn't make it to the Stanley Cup final. I, I don't know who else to give it to. Well, I guess it depends. Like Colorado's got a, a ton of qualified guys, right? And you know, Tampa Bay right now. I think McDavid's level, though. I, it doesn't matter because it'll be the team. Ultimately, yeah. who votes? Is it writers that vote on? I'm not the sure. Smyther, is that an NHL? Why don't you look that up real quick, and I'll, I'll just talk about like yeah. maybe a couple of the guys that so. You know, Colorado, uh, yes. you've got... It's by it the is, writers, you're right. It is the writers, okay. So writers, I mean, anybody really is is hesitant to vote. I mean, they're always hesitant to even vote on the losing team having the MVP over the winning team, let alone, you know, somebody who didn't even make the Stanley Cup final. I think really McDavid would have to continue putting up monster numbers and nobody could catch him point total-wise. But like, you know, Colorado, you've got McKinnon, you've got McCarr, obviously, Tampa Bay... Honestly, Tampa Bay right now, it's looking like Vasilevsky because he's just shutting down the Panthers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Vasilevsky's having an insane... Dude, he's unbelievable, man. Like, <laughs> how do you even stop this guy? He's he's out of control. I feel like a couple of years ago, too, people tried to really take him down a notch and say, like, Vasilevsky's not that good. And, and no, he really is. Yeah, no, he's very good. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, I was one of those players for a couple for a year or two. I was just like, yeah, is he good or is are the lightning good? And now I'm pretty sure it's safe to say he's that fucking good. <laughs> he's just And he's the Lightning are that good. They're I yeah. mean, there's a reason we're looking at them potentially winning a third straight Stanley Cup, which that shit don't happen in this sport. I'll be honest with you, dude. I really think there's gonna be a three pit this year. Like I want the Avalanche to win. Well, I want the Panthers to win, but that doesn't look exactly likely right now. So like if it's not the Panthers, I want Colorado, but I have a feeling it's going to be Tampa again. They are just looking so good. They're so good. And this isn't, I remember when they beat the Leafs, a lot of people are like, Oh, this is what you get when you root for the, I can't believe people are rooting for the lightning. I'm not rooting for the lightning. I just respect the lightning. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a reason to hate the lightning right now you know like a lot of the players on the lightning are like really likable dudes there's no one who I, I don't have a single problem with anyone on that team i've even come around on pat maroon yeah i like that maroon he's fun i would I never thought i'd be saying this drunk about as fuck celebrating the stanley cup again the big rig i actually enjoy him now and i i didn't think i'd be saying this at any point in my life former flyer flyer yeah. legend pat maroon yeah pat flyer phantoms legend pat maroon kicked off the team. <laughs> yeah what a time so I want to. All right. So I'm looking at the stats right now for the for the playoffs. Connor McDavid has 23 points. The next closest player, not named Leon Dreisaitl, in the playoffs, is Nikita Kucherov, who has 15 points. That's still pretty good. Still good. But man, I mean, McDavid is just in another dimension right now. Oh, for sure. McDavid is just unstoppable. And that's what the Flames, the Flames were 
defensively great all year. Their goaltending was top notch. And to see McDavid just kind of dismantling them, I'm glad he's finally showing us that he is the best. Like, I know he's the best player in the NHL in the regular right, season yeah. every year, but it's great to see, just for the sport, it's great to see him do the stuff in the playoffs. Because if you're going to attract a bigger base to hockey, you need these crazy highlight reel goals from McDavid on Sports Center and everything. And the only guy, like, other guys can put up great goals, don't get me wrong, but McDavid's the only guy who can deliver the caliber of goals he does. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just I, passing. Even just passing. He, the, I mean, the passes he makes, too, are just out of this world, too. He's, They're he's unbelievable. Great at everything. And, like, I don't know. I At the beginning, when we first had our initial, like, playoffs pod, I remember saying that I wanted the Oilers to lose <laughs> because I didn't want to see McDavid advance and I wanted him to get traded. I just wanted him to get traded because I just – I think the Oilers are annoying. But, like, it really is great to see him on the biggest stage – playing like doing exactly what people expect of him like it's kind of like it's kind of like when Devin Hester returned the kickoff in the Super Bowl that one year everyone's like there's no way he's gonna fucking do it like if he does it like they were like expecting him but it was almost like a too good to be true type thing and then he did it and everyone was like wow this dude is unreal that's kind of what McDavid's doing right now like people expect him to put up crazy numbers and he's actually following through and not only is he putting up huge numbers, he's doing it in like the most dazzling way you can possibly imagine. He's dancing around in the offensive zone. And like just some of the things he's doing right now, he's playing, he's almost playing a whole different sport. He's just, he's a superhero on the ice. Would you say he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Steve, Connor McDavid, he's playing chess. While everyone else is playing checkers. There you go. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yes, but I, I'm just I'm just glad we get to watch him play hockey. I've seen so many great talents throughout my life. Gretzky, Lemieux, and McDavid is already right up there with them. He's just a, a joy to watch play the game. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. The only thing I have a problem with right now in his game is just the stupid jersey that he's wearing. The, oh, uh, my the, God. That ugly, ugly, disgusting home Oilers jersey is just terrible. It's terrible. And then the Flames are out there just wearing... I'm so glad they went back to their old school look because yeah, it's they're awesome. so clean and so nice and just one of the best looks in sports. Somebody tried to say both jerseys were shit last night. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, dude. What are you doing? Come on. Like, yeah, the Oilers jerseys uh, are terrible, no but the, the Flames are just all-timers right there. I would say the Flames have an all-time top five NHL jersey, which is something, if we weren't way way in the thick of it time wise like i would start running down now but that's definitely something to talk about this summer the flames has to have an all-time look my girlfriend said uh we were watching the hurricanes and the rangers and she was like you know what i think the rangers have my favorite jersey in hockey and i was like huh you hear that sound that's the sound of me breaking up with you right now that's insane <laughs> you look at that what a shame it's tragic to see uh homes just broken by uh diagonal lettering <laughs> tell me about it it's terrible it's terrible it's a re that's a shame <sighs> well folks that's all we got for you and it was plenty let me tell you if you have any feedback for us the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca ryan where can people reach you on twitter and you got anything to plug on the twatter you can find me at ryan quiggs and uh i think just coming up for me there's a lot of content coming out from nights on ice i'm 
helping get that site back on its feet now. So uh, a lot of Golden Knights content coming my coming out. And um, also I wrote a little prospect profile on my draft crush, Uri Slavkovsky. Don't feel like he's much of a possibility for the Flyers now, now that those bastard devils kind of passed us in the draft order. But ugh. really, really good player. And uh, yeah, if you want to learn more about Slavkovsky, then uh, check that out as well. Ryan, one could say it's been a while since you had constant content coming out of that site. Oh, telling me. I mean, yeah. I mean, just aching for content. My God. <laughs> aching for content. Uh, Ryan, is it Ryan Quiggs? You can find me at Flyperbole or at Estebaum. If it's for hockey purposes, make it Flyperbole. Follow BSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. We're on all sorts of social media. You get all that stuff. Stay safe out there. Be respectful. Be kind. Okay? Don't be... Don't be an asshole, ultimately, to your fellow people, unless they unless they deserve it, you know. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey.